Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. We are here today with a new friend of mine, Julia Hollian, who I'm excited to dig into career strategy with. We've had a fabulous conversation, which I've just finished recording with her. We talked about career strategy, what that is, how you can view your career as a highway, on rants, off rants, forks in the road. We talk about it all. <laughs> we also dug into a little bit about how you need confidence and how that fits into your strategy, where you get it from, where it needs to be fed into the system, and really tying up the two things around career strategy and confidence, which I just thought was fabulous. And you also mentioned career agility, which is a phrase I've not heard before, but really spoke to me in terms of what we need to be considering that we might be doing to hold ourselves up. Uh, there's so much value in this conversation. So with, I'm going to get onto the show in just a moment. But before I do, I just wanted to point out that right now we're in the middle of Executive Presence Month in Lit Up Leadership Academy. We talk about Executive Presence all year round. It's it's kind of like fundamental to what we do, but we've got a month dedicated to really taking action on it and up-leveling your skills. So if you are interested in that, come and join us over in Lit Up Leadership Academy. Go to tonycollis.com forward slash academy to find out all the details about joining. And of course, if you have a question, please do feel free to book a call with me or my team. You'll find a link to book a call with me in the show notes for this. But actually, what I really wanted to tell you was next month, we're talking about dealing with ambiguity. We've got a whole month dedicated to training and coaching, extra coaching sessions for the entire community on dealing with ambiguity. This has been a request. I've moved a couple of things around to fit this in sooner rather than later. If you are in your career struggling to deal with ambiguity, I hope you realize that it's one of those things that is a requirement of your job as a leader. If you're not dealing with it, it's probably holding you up. If you're not dealing with it, it can feel like there's toxicity. There's sometimes a little bit of tension between ambiguity, feeling defensiveness and toxicity. And it's like, is this toxicity? Am I being defensive or is this just genuine ambiguity that I need to learn how to deal with? And so we're doing a whole month on ambiguity. If that resonates to you, remember it is a membership. You can join just for a month. And if it doesn't solve the problems you need answering, that's okay. No harm done. Our goal here is to support women in tech. So if this is important to you, I strongly encourage you to go consider checking it out and joining us for the month of ambiguity starting on the 1st of May. But without further ado, let me introduce Julia to you. Julia Hollion is a career strategist and interview coach. This is what she specializes in. She is the founder of Hollion Associates, her bespoke boutique career management firm, where she is passionate about helping professionals move up the ladder at their current company, navigate career transitions and interviewing that dream job. Her passion is really helping people land that dream job. And quite often people come to Julia when they're at a career crossroads. They want a promotion, they want better compensation, and they're just looking for that next step in the way. She also has a colleague who helps with coaching, group coaching, resume writing, LinkedIn profile writing, which is just awesome. She's also a certified executive coach and qualified in Gallup Strengths Finder, amongst many other things. She previously worked as a recruiter. She'll tell you a little bit about that in the conversation today. So without further ado, let's get Julia onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. 
I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Julia. It's great to have you here. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It feels like it's been a long time coming, this recording. We first spoke months and months ago, and we're finally here. We did. Um, It was definitely late 2022, and so much has been going on and and aligning schedules. Uh, It took a little bit, but this is really exciting. So um, let's, let's get started. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit, first of all, a question I love to start with. Tell us about you, what you do, why you do it, how you got here, Mm. and why you believe your work is so important. Oh, goodness. There's so much in there. Um, So what I do is I'm a career coach. I work with professionals in uh, mostly the United States who are trying to advance their career. Most of my clients are either trying to get a promotion and move up the ladder, or they're struggling to get understood and seen inside their organizations to to move in whatever direction they want to move in. And then a number of my clients are actively looking for that next job. They've decided they can't do what they want to do where they are. And so I provide them with everything from the confidence to make that move, interview coaching, um, networking coaching, so that they understand how to build their network. Because most of my clients are that director VP level and above who don't get their jobs through traditional uh, means of applying online. It's all through the network. And how I got here is kind of interesting. So I started my career in recruiting. I was a finance recruiter. I placed finance executives in tech companies, mostly in the Bay Area, and really got to understand how somebody markets themselves, how they talk about themselves, how they need to have their resume put together. Of course, when I started, LinkedIn did not exist, but now it does. And so that's a whole nother element. (laughs) But I also worked with CEOs and boards and other executives who were making the decision in who they were going to hire and have a good understanding of what that side is looking at and looking for. And so for me as a coach coming in and being able to create the perspectives for my clients of what they're trying to say, but also understanding what's important to the executives who are going to decide who they're going to hire. Um, I also hired my own teams. I built up executive search practices. So I had up to 40 people reporting to me at one point. So I've also been in that executive role myself of having a team and wanting to advance their careers, wanting to help them be who they wanted to be and grow within our organization. So I feel like that, that understanding from all those different perspectives is what I can bring to the table and blend for my clients so that they can be successful in whatever step they're trying to take. Yeah, I love that. Um, I actually just want to dig into something briefly there, a little bit off topic, but you mentioned networking that for VPs and above in particular, but I would even argue earlier than that, um, networking is the primary way to get a job. I think most people, when they first move up to that first level, they think they don't realize that. And so there's this real resistance to networking. What do you? Why do you think we don't have that normal route into work at those high levels. I mean, I've got lots of theories myself, but I think the audience would benefit from really hearing what's going on in the back of an executive's mind. Like, why do you need to network your way to those senior level roles? 
Well, I think the simple reason of why do they need to network is that so many, so many companies want to hire people who are known or known to somebody. And so that internal request of who do you know that can fill this position? So we know, we know the machine inside of companies is asking mm-hmm. for people to get come in through referral because they would rather do that than have to go through the whole rigmarole of posting the job, recruiting, trying to, to pull people out. So we know that. But from a resistance standpoint, I, I think a lot of it has to do with when people are getting into their jobs, they are trying to be very successful in what they do. And networking just kind of falls off the radar. It's one of yes. those things that just slips away. And it's it's an easy sacrifice. Because it's not something that you can measure in the moment. Yes. You can measure the work that you do. You have those metrics. You know your deliverables. You know your deadlines. When you network, it feels soft and it feels maybe um, familiar and kind of kind of comfy and kind of a nice add-on to have, mm-hmm. but it's an easy thing to sacrifice and let go of because you feel like no one's gonna notice and it's not gonna make a difference until it makes a difference. It's interesting because as a as an executive coach and a career coach, obviously I, I spend a lot of time coaching people when they're not job hunting. And I say to them, like, hey, you need to be networking every week. And they're like, look at me shocked. I'm like, yes, one call a week at least. When you're job hunting, you should be putting that up to five, six. What can you fit in? <laughs> and they're all shocked. Like, well, I, I do this when I'm when I'm not job hunting. Yes, absolutely. Because if you do that when you're not job hunting, it becomes easier when you are after your network to help you and open the doors. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I think they have to be networking all the time. But I think where people feel like they're networking and and the way they define it Mm -hmm. is that I have to be schmoozing with somebody and I have to be asking for something. And you know what? That's not what it is. I I actually think that the approach to networking should be, I'm going to pay it forward. I'm going to help others. Yeah. The more you help others, the more you help elevate them. That's how you can network. And so it could be something such as you're working on a project or you've got something new that you are trying to tackle. And there's somebody that maybe you worked with in the past and you reach out to them and say, hey, I'm kind of, you know, looking at this new thing. Can I grab 15 minutes of your time just to brainstorm with you and to, to talk to you? And then I want to see you know, through that conversation, how maybe we can work together because somebody else might be going through the same thing. So you have that conversation Mm -hmm. of collaboration. And then in that before, of course, you get off the call, what can I do for you? Thank you so much for your help. How can I help you? Who are you trying to meet? Who do you want to know? What do you want to have on your radar? How can I help you in your career? If you take it from that standpoint of what do I do to help them, I think that makes a big difference. Um, I also think that LinkedIn has been such a great game changer in seeing what other people are doing in their career. And so an easy way to network, quite frankly, is pay attention to the people who are in your circles and acknowledge when they're doing something, recognize what they're doing. And that that's kind of a, a good sort of step into, hey, hey, can we catch up? Like, I'm really fascinated <laughs> by this new job you just took. What's going on? Let's Let's talk about that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I could talk about that all day. I think it's such an important topic. But what I really want you to talk about is career strategy. That's when we met, I was like, oh, we need to get you to talk about this. Mm -hmm. You and I both believe in career strategies, but I'd love for you to tell the listeners what is a career strategy? And if they've never come across this before, why does it, why does it matter? Why should it matter to them? Oh, goodness. 
When somebody is thinking of their career, I think, first of all, most people fall into their careers and that's perfectly fine. We come out of college and if, uh, if we had a specific game plan coming out of college, then we can jump into that. But most people get a degree in something that doesn't necessarily tee them up for that obvious Mm -hmm. job. And so they land in something and that's kind of how our career takes off. And we, we, learn that skill or that trade and we we move forward with that and and then we kind of go to the next step but i think from a career strategy it's much more intentional and it really is rooted in awareness what do i like to do what do i enjoy what do i feel like i'm good at so from my standpoint uh, i'm aligned with gallup so i'm a gallup certified strengths coach and one of the first things i want my clients to do is to look at what their talents are, and how are they using those talents? Are they using them in a positive way? Are they talents that they have that they really haven't nurtured and and grown and can be bigger strengths for them? And with that, they start aligning what they want to do in the future with what they are naturally good at and where their interests are. So you need to have that awareness to figure out that alignment. So the career strategy, I think of it a little bit like this way. when somebody's looking at their career, they want to figure out what kind of road they're on. And I usually align that with a highway. Highways have multiple lanes. And so you think, okay, like what highway am I on? First of all, am I on the right highway? Do I want to get to whatever that destination is? Am I, am I doing that? Now you can change lanes. And I think that's a big part of that career strategy is saying, if I'm going in this one direction, do I have to stay in this lane? Can I move over to another lane? Can I move faster? Can I move slower? Can I take on something else? And by having that direction of knowing, okay, this is the, this is where I'm headed, but am I, am I doing it that's in alignment with who I am and what I want to be and what I want to do and crafting that a little bit more specifically and intentionally? I think that's where people can get the confidence to make changes. Mm -hmm. So another element of career strategy is thinking about agility. And I think agility Mm. is one of my favorite words in sort of the career (laughs) sphere right now of knowing that you, you know, as I said, people kind of land in their jobs and they kind of start up this track. Well, how do they, how do they maybe, you know, take that right turn? When do they take the off ramp? How do they move around? How do they even just change lanes? I think career agility is probably the best way for people to think of how do I want to move around and take on new things in my career? It's not that I have to mm-hmm. get a new title. I don't have to necessarily do this one thing that somebody said, but I do want to find that everything that I'm putting into my toolbox is a useful tool and that gives me agility to try new things and that's really the mindset behind the strategy i i think there's a little bit of a false um narrative or false expectation that everybody has to say what are you going to do in 10 years what are you going to do in 20 years what's your title um that's that's not what it is because i think when you start going just towards those things you lose yourself and you lose what you care about yeah, I think it's, I always talk about having a direction of travel, what I call the North Star, not because you're going to end up there. Mm-hmm. And actually, I point out to people that that role today won't exist by the time you're there because they change so quickly, especially in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, even a CEO, the role will be different in 10 years time. But I think it's worth having that North Star as long as you're open to changing your mind, so that, that agility along the way. I, I love your highway analogy because I also think like, 
we can be on the highway and we are like, you know, happy to change lanes and all that. But at some point the highway splits. Mm -hmm. You get to choose which fork you take. And you thought maybe at the beginning of the highway that you're going to take the right fork. But as you approach that fork, you've got more and more information. You think, actually, now I want to come, I want to take that fork. And I think we've got to have the confidence to know that it's okay to do that. I think part of having a career strategy from what you're describing is having the confidence to be on this highway for right now, but also having the confidence to change my mind as I get new data. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's the, again, the confidence to, um, to maybe try something new. So you talk about the fork in the road. I also think that there are off ramps. You can sometimes yes. take an off ramp. I think sometimes off ramps are the biggest gift you can give yourself. <laughs> You learn so much more about who you are and what you like and what you don't like. So you can take a little bit of an off ramp or you can have your side hustle, kind of like your frontage road. You've got something a little on the side (laughs) that you're learning from and, and yet you're, you're not necessarily giving up everything that you've done. I think a lot of career strategy is realizing what you've learned, what are your skills, what's your education, what's the compilation of everything that you're pulling together and how do you want to use that? And realizing it's, it's, it is like a toolbox. You don't use every tool in your toolbox at all times. You have to know mm-hmm. what to pull out. And so that strategy of thinking of that destination and realizing, okay, what do I, what do I want to tap into here and, mm-hmm. and get better at so that I, I'm having that fulfillment in my career. Uh, let's talk about confidence for a moment, because you and I both know that career strategy, confidence, they are related. Can you tell us, well, the benefit of the audience, how are they related? Like, wh- what is going to come up in our career strategy that's going to challenge our confidence, give us confidence? How are those two things interlinked? Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that the I think the biggest challenge that most people have in their career is that they're so afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. And if they make a mistake, what are going to be the ramifications of that mistake? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I think is very important is when you make a decision, owning that decision, owning, you know, that own your choices Mm -hmm. is what I often say to my (laughs) clients, own your choices, which means you have to look at them and understand what those choices were, whether they, whether that choice was really fantastic. Sometimes we overlook the successes and what was the learning from that success. We're, We're kind of excited that we're celebrating, but we don't really sit back and go, okay, what did this do for me? And it, confidence comes into that. Maybe it gave you confidence to ask for that next thing, to try that um, that new um, that new job or go to that that new company. And so I think that confidence has a lot to do with knowing the choices that you've made and what you've learned from them, and and how you can grow from them those two things intersect a lot. And I think confidence is also being able to articulate who you are and what you want to do in such a way that you don't apologize along the way. And women are very known (laughs) for apologizing for our choices. Yeah, absolutely. Did that answer uh, your question? It it did. I I think I want to actually take on a a little bit there to talk about brand for a second. But before I do that, Mm. I want to just dig into future confidence as well, because I think it's great that you're saying like, well, what did I learn from that thing that can give me confidence moving forward? Mm -hmm. 
a lot of the inaction that many of us experience comes from, I'm scared to take that action. I'm scared to apply for that role. I'm scared to pivot. I'm scared to take the off run. I'm scared to slow down, speed up. If I do that, how that's going to impact my family. If I do that, am I going to go down a cul-de-sac? And I think sometimes part of our career strategy needs to be around, I'm going to be uncomfortable with this. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm not going to have the confidence, but I'm going to get confidence from doing this. So I'm going to do it anyway. And I can always change my mind later. I love to say that, do the action. You can always change your mind later. (laughs) But I think part of a career strategy needs to consider the confidence blockers we're going to have along the way. So normally when we Mm -hmm. think about strategy, we're really like, you know, direction of travel, you know, OKRs, stuff like that, right? That's what we think of when we think of strategy. And then we fill backfill the strategy with tactics. And I think what I'm getting at is I think confidence isn't just a tactic. It is a strategic initiative. It needs to be something we're always working on. I will get confidence by doing this. How am I going to build my confidence in this area? I'm going to take this uncomfortable action. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think when when we're looking at what we want to do going forward, we we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable for sure. Mm-hmm. And when we're thinking of it from a, a growth standpoint and where we ultimately want to be, you know, confidence doesn't necessarily mean that we are egotistical or arrogant or boastful, but it is, I, I, as you say, the North, you know, that, that North star, but it is your compass. It is, Having the strength to go forward and stay on that path, as I, I always say, you know, the highway, staying on the, on the highway or being comfortable with saying, if I move off of this, if I do something else, what am I going to learn from it? I, I always mm-hmm. come back to awareness and intention. And I think confidence is much greater when you can you can focus on those two things. I'm aware of what I'm doing. I'm aware of why I'm doing it. It might be uncomfortable, but there's an intent. And that will help give me sort of that strength, that anchor, that confidence to keep moving in that direction. I think it's also important to have that because there's two things that always come into play. And that's sort of who's above you and who's below you. And I think it's important to realize that you know, if you don't feel like you have a seat at the table or that you deserve to have a seat at the table, you have to have that awareness and the intention to say, this is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, I may wonder if everybody else sees this in me, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have the right conversation with myself. I also think it's very important because as we are leading and we have people who are looking to see how we, we move forward, having that confidence where somebody says, you know, why are, you know, why are you doing that? Being able to articulate that and explain it to others so that your team knows why you're doing what you're doing. Even when that's uncomfortable, you may be having them also follow you in the, in, in the, um, kind of that follow the leader of, of doing the thing that's uncomfortable for them. But if you Mm -hmm. can create that understanding for why you're doing it, it's, it's more impactful and, and they're more likely to follow with you and help be that, that backbone and that support for you. Yeah, interesting. I want to just bring us back to brand. And I I brought this up because you mentioned there about earlier about how we talk about ourselves as women. And I think that's part of our brand. And so I want to talk about how Mm -hmm. does our brand fit in with our career strategy? Is it a bit like confidence? It's like part of the toolkit. 
and and actually more broadly than that, why does our professional brand matter? How do we cultivate it? How does it all fit together here? Mm-hmm. Well, brand is is essential, I think, for women because. I think we are scrutinized differently than than men mm-hmm. are, particularly in the tech world. And we also, as we've talked before, may not network quite as effectively as men do in, in the tech realm. And so our brand is very important for us to be able to say, this is the value that we bring. I think a lot of people, when they look at brand, they look solely at what is the, my education? What are my skills? What are those things I can kind of check off that list that say I am qualified and, and it's a validator for getting me into that next role. But the real thing to be thinking of, whether you are crafting your LinkedIn profile or you're writing your resume or you are interviewing or you are advocating for yourself internally, is what's the value that you're going to bring to the company? And so mm-hmm. when you're thinking of brand, it's really more about what am I going to do for the company? What's the value that I'm going to bring? How am I going to influence? How am I going to to drive results? How am I going to grow a team? Any of those things that are going to be essential to move forward, that's what you really have to be talking about. And so from that brand, you have to be specific. What what do you really do? When I, when I ask people what they do, I often hear a title. Yeah. Yeah. And a title is not what they do. Mm-mm. It's how do they make an impact on the people, the process, the technology, the sales, the results, the growth, or the, or um, even when you are dismantling a, a company, whatever it might be, you have to think of what that is. You are not your title. You are the value that you bring to helping that organization transform in whatever way it's trying to, to shift. Yeah. And I think it's really just worth bringing this all together for listeners in that if you don't have that strategy in place, you might be talking about the wrong things in your branding. You might be on LinkedIn sharing the wrong kind of information, diluting the thing that is actually going to get you towards that destination. So if you don't have a direction of travel in mind, if you're not on, not aware, not cognizant of mm-hmm. the highway that you're on or which lane you're in right now, your brand might be misaligned. You're doing one thing and saying the other or vice versa. Or I, I've seen this so many times, it breaks my heart where somebody has found themselves backed into a corner professionally because they didn't think about how they were portraying themselves was dictating the opportunities that were being created for them. And therefore opportunities were being created, which were so misaligned with who they were because they didn't know what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that happen? Oh, absolutely. I think that happens all the time. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about how, how women interview. Mm. And again, they're often talking about, um, their accomplishments. And that's wonderful. They, they can talk about the, the metrics and what they were able to do. But I think women also bring to the table, uh, a unique leadership style that is so necessary in the workplace and their int- intuition and how they are able to see how teams are working. And so that's part of that brand. The part of the brand of, of how you, how you drive people to come together to achieve something and from a branding standpoint, we need to be more clear about those things and not just rely back on 
the sort of quantitative or, or um, I guess the, the punch list of things that they've done, but it's, it's how they've also influenced. I think influence is a big thing. And, and I don't think women talk about influence no. as much as men sometimes do in the, in the interview process, at least, or when they are even internally and they're kind of sitting around the table where women, I think, have a real strong power there that can be leveraged to, um, to really achieve great things. Yeah, 100%. Oh, we can do so much. Well, the final question I want to ask you then, actually, is kind of allowing us to achieve great things before we move on to the quick fire round, which I'm excited about. But the final question I want to ask you is, what is the number one piece of advice to a woman in tech considering her next leadership career move? And sure. because how can she achieve those great things she's after, right? Well, I think one piece of advice I always give to to women is to think of what I would call your next next or even your next next next. A lot of people think, okay, this is what I want to do next. And so what do I have to do to get this job here? If you are thinking two steps ahead, which again, you can always change your mind, but if you are thinking of your next next or your next next next, it influences what projects you accept. It helps you define when you say yes and when you say no. It keeps you from sticking to that one thing that's going to get you in that one next role, not realizing that maybe, maybe there's so much more beyond. And if you're thinking of that next, next, how do I need to show up? What's my leadership presence? How do I want to um, guide people? How do I want to, um, what do I want to learn? What do I want to do? It's all of those things coming together to help you make more informed decisions. And I think if you're thinking two or three steps ahead, you make better decisions in the here and now. And I also like that sometimes making those better decisions in the here and now might tell you that guess what? That next next actually isn't the right next next. Mm -hmm. There's a different one over here. You can change your mind. Again, you can change lanes. You can, you can hit that fork in the road and go right instead of left or take the detour. It's okay, but it's it's about that awareness and that learning of what you're trying to do. I love that. I love that so much. Well, let's move on to quick fire round. Oh, it's my favorite okay. bit of every episode. <laughs> First <laughs> of all, my favorite question. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Wow. You know, my worst piece of it. I, I don't know if this is necessarily advice to me, but it was it was it was a management strategy when I first got into my very first management role. I had this um, executive two rungs above me, and she had invited me to her office to have a conversation about this first promotion I was getting into management. And she said to me, "You know, I don't expect you to ever fire anybody. If you want to let somebody go, just make them so uncomfortable that they leave on their own." Ouch! What? Ooh. And, and after I heard that, then I looked back at all the people who had left Yeah, and it gave me a completely different perspective. And so it was a great thing to hear because instantly it said, I I never am going to do that. That's not what I'm going to do. So it was the worst advice, but it was the best lesson. It's such a toxic workplace when that kind of thing happens. It's just, and it's a failure of leadership. I don't want to do that because it doesn't feel good to me. I'm just going right. to do everything else. And it, it, oh, so much wrong with that. Hopefully listeners get that. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? 
best piece of advice, hands down, is make changes sooner rather than later. I love that. Oftentimes, we stress about making that change, mm-hmm. and we don't move fast enough. And we look back later on, we go, oh, I wish I'd done this a year ago. I wish I had done this yeah. you know, two years ago. So make your changes sooner rather than later. Oh, I love that so much. What is the last book you read, and would you recommend it? Yes. The last book I read has, I've not been able to get out of my mind and it's called A Thousand Miles to Freedom and it's by Un Sun Kim. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It is, um, a woman who was born and raised in North Korea and it was how she and her mom and her sister escaped North Korea. Wow. And it was, I mean, it was like an 11 year journey or something. It was just, and it's, it's heartbreaking yet hopeful. And it's a fantastic read. And I highly recommend it. I will make sure a link to that is in the show notes. That sounds like one that's going on my list for like soon. <laughs> I have a pile of books. It might have to bump the way up the list a little bit. What is the last TV show or movie that you watched? Uh, I just started watching The White Lotus. Oh, somebody else mentioned that actually on the podcast, but I still haven't managed to find it. I think it's on HBO. I'm pretty sure it's HBO. So I think I'm four or five episodes in and it's, it's quirky and it's different. So I, I think I'm enjoying the fact that it's got all these characters. It's an ensemble cast and they all have these different aspects to them. And so you're trying to sort of, it's a little bit of a whodunit because they start out <laughs> the show with how it's supposed to end. And so it really gets you sucked in because you're like, how did they get to that? Uh, so I have not finished it, but that's what I'm in the middle of. And, I, and I'm in season one. And apparently there's a second season, which is with a completely different cast. So oh, I love still it. in season one. I'm going to have to go and find that one, definitely. It's time for a mindset tip. Um, as everybody knows, we love a mindset tip around here. So what is your mm-hmm. favorite mindset tip to help women with their career strategy, with working in a male-dominated environment, whatever is your thing. What is your favorite mindset tip? My favorite mindset tip is invest in yourself. Yeah. Whatever that is. And I think it's different at different stages in your life. But I think women tend to take care of sort of everybody else before we take care of ourselves. So it could be, Mm -hmm. it could be about, um, like you, you had, uh, Melanie Littman on your show. It could be about, working with somebody to find the right clothing to give you the confidence to step into whatever it is that you're stepping into or be in whatever you are being. It might be a coach in something in, you know, some other area. How do I advance my career or how do I manage my whole life? You might need a life coach or it could be go to the gym. It could be take a, take that dream vacation, but find those things where you invest in yourself because those are moments I think where you have those, those aha moments come through and it defines you and it helps you get to that next place. But also know that investing in yourself looks very different in your twenties than it might look in your thirties or forties or fifties. So you have to keep doing it. Don't do it. It's not a, it's not a one-time thing. Yeah. hundred percent. This has been amazing. So I'm sure that some of the audience at least going to want to connect with you. How can they connect with you? Find out more about what you do and generally share your words of wisdom. Yes. So you can always find me on LinkedIn at Julia Holian. Uh, we also have a LinkedIn page, which is Holian Associates. My website is Holian Associates. And if anybody wants to come and have um, some free coaching on their career, I offer on the first Friday of every month. It's called Just Ask Julia. 
and they can go to the website and sign up for that and listen to um, usually 30 minutes of just information of tips and trends and things that are happening in the market and ask any question that they might have. And uh, they can certainly set up for any kind of a, you know, just an introductory conversation with me. I'm always up to talking to anybody and giving them some uh, tips on how to advance their career and, and hopefully get to work with them. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's such a wonderful thing to do to have like that free open event. I do that from time to time. I don't have anything regular. Um, and I, I just think it's such a beautiful gift that we can give when we, when we do that and give back. So thank you. Any final thoughts you would like to share before we wrap up today? I would go back to what I'd said earlier, which I think is really important for everybody, male or female, um, own your choices. And I think what I mean by the own your choices is know what your choices were in such a way that you can articulate why you did that. What I mm -hmm. see a lot of people, when they go into say, even in an interview, they're often asked about some of the choices that they made. Why did you go from this job to this job? And I, I can't think of one person in my life or in my, in my client base who has said, you know, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have taken that job. But there's something to be learned in every choice that you make and everything that happens. So when you own your choices, you give yourself permission to figure out what it is that I need to take from that that helps me move forward. Don't apologize for it. If you took that job and you sort of missed all the signals in the interview, admit that. Say, so, you know, hindsight, it you know tells me I, I didn't look at these things for these reasons. I got enamored with the person or excited about the company and, and I missed that. So if you own your choices, you can make better decisions going forward. That's beautiful. I feel like that's one of these tips that we don't talk about enough. I've certainly not said that enough myself. But I think it's such a fundamental mindset piece, because if we are afraid of owning our choices, we don't make progress because we're like, well, that mm -hmm. didn't really happen or it wasn't my fault. We get almost defensive with ourselves. And I feel that's right. just a beautiful, a beautiful piece of advice for everybody to hear. So thank you for sharing that. This has been an amazing interview. Thank you so incredibly much for coming on, sharing your wisdom. I know you and I, we love we love this. to help people. That's it. That's why we do it. We right? love to help people. Absolutely. And really celebrating that our careers are a journey rather than just one job after another. I, I love that we've had this conversation today. Thank you so incredibly much. And for listeners, please do go check out Julia's work. She is amazing. If you're wanting the next step in your career, go check her out. All the links that we've talked about today are in the show notes along with her book recommendation. But as always, listeners, remember until next time, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.